Hey, by the way, have you heard about Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me tell you, let me explain. Let me tell you how it works. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast directly. It'll be heard on Spotify, Apple, and just about every other platform out there. So it's very, very easy to use, very user-friendly. And best of all, it lets you monetize that. So everything you need is all in one place. All you have to do is download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Battleground. Today is Friday, July 31st, and we have the great, the awesome Scotty Nell Hughes. Scotty, uh, wow. Great to have you on the show. You're awesome. Um, you know, we, we were just talking a little bit about uh, about the, the, the madness going around D.C., the nation, pretty much the country, um, around this uh, COVID thing, over this vaccine thing, over a hundred conspiracy things. I mean, it's Friday. There's always a million things to discuss. Um, well, the White House, uh, House and Senate reached some kind of agreement on a COVID relief. Uh, I don't know. Wherever you want to start, just go. Okay. Well, first of all, I've been on lots of battlegrounds, Ivan. This is the least of a battleground. I love how you call it a battleground because this is the most friendly battleground I've ever been on. And I've been on some tough ones where I've literally asked for Kevlar before going on set. That's right. Uh, but the truth is what we're finding out, the, the battle within the Republican Party is still existence. And we talk about this as exposing a lot about the Democrats, but how this virus has been handled is also exposing a lot about the Republicans. And let's start with just the first area, which you, you first mentioned, um, where, where it all began in this country shutting down. That is the least conservative that you could ever, ever want. You know, the Tea Party was started about this idea of less government. And here you had, people who are considered to be conservatives. You have Mark Meadows, who is a Tea Party conservative, helped found the Tea Party caucus within Congress, pushing and, and not basically telling the president, don't shut down this country. Nope. It, was, it was people like Tucker and others that were, you know, in conservatives on media saying, don't shut down the country. It's not worth it. And yet, what did we find? The president allowed the shutdown. Now, I, I don't put it all on him, yeah. But there's been several moments in the last five months, Ivan, that even you, with your Trump 2020 flag behind you, who I am, had to go, who is advising the president right, right now? Because some of the decisions he's making is exactly opposite of the foundation that we elect and the principles that we elected Donald Trump to be on. That's exactly right. And, and you know, I'm on the same team as you are. Um, I, I think this is all bullshit. Um, we shouldn't we shouldn't have closed anything not even not even a bakery you know uh everything should have been open uh this we, we look at the mortality rate right now it's 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 like the flu obviously uh people with underlying conditions and and probably elder have a high risk let's keep them protected but everybody else you can't how did we destroy the greatest economy in the world um and right now i don't i don't see how how we're, how we're gonna pull out Quite frankly, uh, I'm hearing some numbers from from a lot of executives out there that it's going to take another ten trillion dollars to uh, to to throw a whole bunch of uh, adrenaline, stab adrenaline to the American heart to try and jumpstart this. I don't know if that's possible. We gave Obama the amount of shit that we gave him for eight years. Remember that for running mm -hmm. up a ten trillion dollar tab, and we're about to spend sixteen trillion over a summer. That's insane, Scotty. Um, I, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I'm very disappointed. I, I, you know, I obviously support the president. I think he's 
the greatest president we've had in a long, long time. But you're absolutely right. He's, he, I think he's surrounded by a lot of bad people. Um, he, he hasn't been able to really wash out all that, uh, all that stuff that came in when he first took office. I think it's still circling around and, uh, and giving bad advice. I don't know. Well, all, in regards to the economy, Ivan, all you have to look at is this morning on the New York Times, their cover, virus wipes out five years of economic growth. That right there sums up what this is all about. They wanted to wipe out an economy going into this, especially starting in January. It was going to be an easy reelection, not only for Trump, but for Republicans, possibly could have even taken over the House. Everything was right in line. The economy is the number one issue at that point with Americans. They had to find some way to derail it. Now, that being said, this virus is real. This virus does kill people. This virus can be anywhere from a simple sniffle, which is what the majority of people, and yes, I have a lot in my community who have it, who I met that are friends of mine. I've been tested four times uh, because I've interacted with people and I have my parents who live with us who are elderly. So I take extra precautions, but it can be anywhere from a sniffle to you going to what I call death traps right now called hospitals where they put you on a ventilator and then you never get off. And so, so the virus is real, but the reaction to it has been just as damning as the virus that came from China. So then you have to ask, well, what is the point of it? You know, what, what is the end game of it? Well, all of a sudden you look around, you see that Americans uh, have been given up basically just because out of peer pressure, given up a lot of their rights. They've, they've allowed their businesses to be crumpled. Now we're actually created a bigger welfare state, not for those of us that actually add to the economy, who there are small businesses struggling, but those that were already on welfare. Guess what? They got a pay increase. Congratulations. You're still not motivated to work. Everything that Trump campaigned on is, is, is right now just being destroyed and the Democrats are loving it. And the question is, you, as you pointed out, how many trillion dollars we have this summer? Well, that right there is the heart of it. That's what got Trump elected. It's the Republicans, the establishment Republicans love to spend taxpayer dollars on themselves. At least Democrats disperse it to, you know, thousand different groups. Uh, but Republicans love to put it in their own pockets. And that's exactly what is happening right now. And that's exactly why they keep pushing these bills. If they really wanted economic relief for those of us uh, on Main Street, it's called a payroll tax increase or a decrease. Cut the payroll tax. Yep. Those of us that would really enjoy us that, that employ others. Other yeah, than that, you know what? Incentivizing it, people. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Uh, we, we we had uh, we had uh, um, David McIntosh from Club for Growth yesterday. We were talking about that and um, how disappointed everybody is that. Um, <laughs> All these, all these businesses, all these jobs have just been destroyed. So many are not going to be able to come back because, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I would like a fighting chance. Uh, being locked up and not being able to generate revenue, generate job, you know, uh, money, et cetera. Eventually, you know, what's going to happen? You're going to lose your home. You're going to end up on the street. You, you, if you don't have money, you're homeless, you're, you're broke. You're going to die of hunger, right? So <laughs> I'd rather die of a virus than die of hunger, right? Um, and, and I think that's, that's, you know, that, that's, those are huge numbers. I, I brought it up again. Uh, the numbers are saying that something like 40 million Americans are going to be impacted by either foreclosure or eviction. That's huge. I don't think the country recovers from something like that. That would be, that would be cataclysmic. Um, so I, I don't know what, what the solution is, but I think the immediate solution is open the goddamn economy. Let's get people to work. We need paychecks, you know, 
<laughs> and, and you know, with paychecks, people can start buying stuff again and uh, and, and kind of jumpstart this thing. But the Democrats on the other side, um, Scotty, and 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 I think you'll agree with me. They're they're you know they're watering at the mouth. They have been crying and begging and and doing you know who knows what kind of sacrifices out there. Um, hoping that the economy was in a crash. Like you said earlier, you know, before this happened, there was going to be a slam dunk for Trump. Uh, there was no doubt about it. Uh, the, it he could have done anything, anything. And, uh, and, and we probably would have taken the House back as well and probably gained probably two or three seats in the Senate. And now, um, if I was a betting man, I got to tell you, it's, it's tough. It's tough. It's hard when you look at the map. Uh, but once you get, once you, once they stop hiding Biden, and they take him out of the closet, I mean, the basement, um, you know, he's going to get rolled. You know, Trump is going to destroy him in those, in those debates. Um, how much does that affect the election? Will the debates make a, a big impact? Because we're assuming that the big rallies in that style of campaign is gone for this cycle, right? Which is sad because that was one of the best tools that he had. The thing about conservatives, Ivan, is because we get so beat up um, by our neighbors, by our coworkers, by the national media, we need to know that we're not standing alone. So when I look around an arena and I see that there are 1,000, 10,000, 20,000 people who believe exactly like I am and are willing to battle with me, then I'm more willing to go to bat for my ballots. When I don't see that, I kind of shrink back and go, you know what, I don't want to be, I don't want to take that on me or my family. And especially when you're seeing pushback right now, people being fired for being Trump supporters and everything that's happening, you're going, you know what, it's not worth it. I'll just, I'll just stay quiet, which is exactly what they want. It's exactly how they win. But let me tell you this, Ivan, this is what I care about. If President Trump would stand up right now in this press conference, say, you know what, um, executive order, America has opened up from sea to shining sea, no restrictions, and said, we're going back to work. We're not going to continue pouring money out of the money that we don't have printing money. And he went hardcore uh, balls to the walls, yep. uh, president. I don't care if he wasn't reelected November. And by the time that the Democrats started impeachment, he could already wipe this off the face um, of America. And what we need to see that strength, that Donald Trump apprentice a uh, person who literally grew a business, a multi-billion dollar business that has buildings with his name on top of gold-plated buildings with it and listed in rap songs, that's the kind of leader I need right now. And this weak, wishy-washy, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, is not going to cut it. And that's how the president loses. I still think he's winning right now. I still think that he is at the top of it because it's a lot better than what the other side would have done. But we're still five months away from the election and we don't know what else they're gonna pour out of. They're gonna make sure that we hurt so much. So it's kind of like the vaccines to segue us into one of our other conversations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you went there, go. Well, a lot of the problems right now, and I, and I told my mother this as we're getting our kids ready to go to school, they are literally tying, and I, and I mean this, a noose around our neck, our arms, our legs as parents. They are making it so hard about our children going back to school, about going to work, going to places, everything is so difficult right now that I might be like, you know, I don't care about this vaccine. Just give it to me if I can get my life back. Um, that's what they want to do. They're going to make our life as hellacious as possible. So when this vaccine comes forward, we will be so quick to get it. The thing is, I don't think even liberals, um, libertarians, conservatives, I'm not seeing anybody, despite the polls, that supposedly 72% want a vaccine. Yeah, um, I'd like a vaccine, possibly, 
but I want to make sure it's well tested. Right. And my children are not going to be your guinea pigs, and neither are going to be the urban kids like Bill that uh, like Gates wants to use and use those inner city kids. Nobody needs to be a guinea pig for this vaccine. And the fact that the president and the RNC are pushing a vaccine is wrong. I don't know who is advising it. Last week, the RNC Saturday, I literally looked at my phone. And honestly, the first time I've ever cried over a political tweet because I saw the RNC tweet out, working on a vaccine, the president has told us that he has mobilized the military to, to, uh, to implement across the country when ready. Never put the words vaccine and military in together. That's how I know they got bad advice going on right now. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with that because, uh, you know, like we, well, like we said before, I mean, I always took the president as, as an anti-vaxxer, you know, uh, parental choice. We talked about that with uh, with Club for Growth with David as well, right? Um, and and it seems like there's this panic, and there's something strange going on, Scotty. Um, hydroxychloroquine. This thing has been used for decades. It's safe. It doesn't kill people. I don't know where they're they're coming up with this crap. I know people that have lupus that have been taking it for decades, right? Um, it, it's been used for malaria. It saves people's lives. All of a sudden. I, Trump says that he's been taking hydroxychloroquine as a anti-vaccine or whatever. Um, now it disappears. Facebook takes censors messages talking about hydroxychloroquine. Twitter starts banning people. These doctors that went on the Capitol Hill and we're talking about it on the street, all of a sudden their videos are banned all over the internet. There, there's something really, really strange going on. I'm not a conspiracy guy. I'm a fact guy, right? Um, I believe you are as well. What are the facts here? Well, the facts are, is you know, like you said, this is something that's been around since 1950. And the, the problem with it is there's so much going back and forth. We know Big Pharma has a lot of control over those in elected office. I mean, they're one of the strongest, most wealthy lobbyist groups in D.C., but I think the bigger picture when it comes to hydroxychloroquine is it's an easy solution. It's a solution that costs $10. Right. It's a solution that you and I can go get with our own. And all, I think the point that the direction or the angle that Republicans or conservatives need to be pushing them right now is, you know what? You don't have to take it. In fact, I'm all for conservatives being the only one to take it and Democrats can take your That's vaccine. Right. That's and right. we can compare it back and forth. And I'm so glad that Democrats care so much about conservative lives that they want to keep us from taking it. But the ultimate is give my body my choice. Isn't that, what they always say? isn't that their yeah. isn't that their slogan for abortion? Holy exactly. Let, let them so my body give my doctor the right to prescribe it and me the right to ask for it. And if we feel like it's the best course of action for myself, then let me have the right to take that action. And guess what? If I die, it's on me. But let me have that choice. And what they're doing is they're taking that choice away from us. In fact, there is more taxpayer-funded abortions right now than there are actually people saving lives. Maybe that's the goal. Maybe we want to keep taxpayer-funded killing people happening because that's what ultimately the message is coming from the Democrats right now. Keep abortions going, bakeries closed, keep vaccine pushing, and don't let hydroxychloroquine, you have the option to do it. It's a very sick and twisted world we're living in. The question is, how long are we going to put up with it, Ivan? That's right. It's insane. And you know what? And, and here, here's, the, um, here's the problem that I see with all this stuff. You, you just laid it out perfectly, right? Is <laughs> why? 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 The big why, right? What's the big why? And I'll tell you what the big why is. They don't want a solution. They don't want us to find that say, 
hydroxychloroquine works because then there's no need for a vaccine. Then you know what? Hey, everybody take hydroxychloroquine, take azithromycin, take zinc, you're gonna be fine. Everybody go to work. The economy stops, big government, the chaos, the zombie apocalypse is over. And uh, you know, Trump wins with a landslide. That's what's gonna happen. But we need to call their bullshit out, Scotty. And I don't think people are doing that. I don't think anybody is doing that. I think everybody is chicken shit at this point. I really don't get it. Outside of, you know, yourself, you know, I'm out there. There's 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 probably a couple handful of people out there. Tucker does it, you know, Laura Hannity, but you're not getting a lot of people really behind this, calling this out. You know, the president yesterday sends out a tweet, right? And, and you know where I'm going, but he sends out a tweet, you know, talking about the risk, the reality, not even the risk, the reality of voter fraud with mail-in ballots. Because you know, that's what the Democrats do. They, they have illegals, they have dead people, they have zombies, they have, you know, whoever can vote, you know, vote, dogs. Don't vote, vote dogs. early, vote often, have the dog vote, cat, you know, grandparents. It doesn't matter, anybody. We're all welcome. It's a big tech party, right? And, uh, and you know, mail-in ballots is just going to be one major big scam. And that's what the president was saying. And what do they say? He's a totalitarian. He's a dictator. He wants to close elections. He wants to be stay in power. It's the biggest amount of crap. And what do, what do Republicans do, Scotty? They fall for it. Ted Cruz, who I adore, Ted Cruz even went with the whole thing. I mean, it's like, how many times after three years do you have a mouse still taking the cheese and doesn't realize it is a trap? And they say, oh, but you're just spinning. No, I'm not spinning. It's the reality of it. Because guess what? Prior to this, the past few weeks, past few months, you have seen these local governments, you have seen these state governments literally passing the mail-in voting yeah. and saying, you know what, we need to do it because of this. Guess what? There was no spotlight on it because the president said this, all of a sudden we're all looking at our state government going, wait a minute, are we doing mail-in voting or not? Yeah. And now we're having that conversation and Republicans actually fell for it true. Ted Cruz. That's what pisses me off, Scotty. That's what pisses me off is like, what in the hell is wrong with our guys, with our, with our side? Are they just idiots? I mean, I seriously believe that, that we have a bunch of idiots sometimes on our side. Do they not understand what, what, what he's doing? He's trying to change the narrative, bring the spotlight to a major issue of fraud, of chaos. Look, it's okay to riot. It's okay to loot. It's okay to burn down cities, businesses, assault people, murder people. It's okay to go to funerals of, uh, you know, racially charged speeches by Obama, you know, but, but you know, with, with no social distancing. It's okay to go to Walmart, et cetera, but it's not okay to go stand in line and vote. It's not okay to go to school or go back to work. You know, if you can go to, uh, you know, George Floyd's wedding, if you can go burn down half of America, if you can go to uh, Congressman Lewis's uh, uh, funeral, um, it's okay. Nothing is wrong. Nothing will happen as long as you're doing it for the right liberal reason. If you're doing it for the right liberal reason, that's the vaccine. So we just need to just tell the virus, we're all liberals. We're all liberals. We're all think white people are racist. Republicans are racist. And you know what? We're going to be saved. That's what we need to do, right? Is that, is that the answer, Scotty? I don't know. I, I, no, because if that's it, then we either need to be looking for another country or we just need to go on and find ourselves a little land that we don't, don't interact with anybody. Because if, if, if you can see what they've done the last five months, could you imagine if they were actually fully in power again, if they did have the House, the Senate, and the White House? 
talk about needing Kevlar right now because they would come after you and I. And I think that's the, that's the question we have for the day after the election. As for Republicans, they're cowards. We know this. There's nothing new. They want to spend your money for their own pockets. They want to, they want to stuff their own coffers. But when push comes to shove, they're not going to stand up for you and I. They're going to stand up for themselves. And that's it. And I, and I feel sorry for Republicans because we keep enacting them, at least electing them, at least Democrats. Um, I mean, you look, they do have AOC. You, you look at the people, they, they've got uh, Omar. They've got all of these people that we can name their names because they're out there and they're just taking punches and they're swinging back. We don't have that in the Republican Party. Well, we we have maybe one or two, maybe three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not we even, don't. Not even a handful. Yep, you're absolutely right. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's sad. Uh, you know, I'm just so disappointed. I hope that, uh, I hope that this election, we, uh, you know, we're able to pull this through. We can, uh, we, we can kind of clean out the swamp and drain the swamp and get some new blood in there. But we need some. Real I've heard fighters. that before. You know? you know, the only thing I can say on this one, Ivan, is I always said President Trump was going to come in there like a wrecking ball, and oh. he has. And what we're dealing with is a consequence of it. The problem is second term. I hope that wrecking ball is even bigger and better, and there's nobody holding him back. I would be okay with him being by himself living in the White House right now and yes, getting everybody so else. And do, let Trump be Trump. Let's go back to his initial phrase. Let Trump be Trump and everybody else get the hell out. Yep. And well, there might be some consequences, but the truth is that is exactly what the American people right now. And he right hasn't been wrong on policy, right? Maybe you don't like his style. Maybe some people don't like his tweets, but his policy has been great. Uh, you know, and obviously we see that by the economy. Last question. I know you got a role, you know, is what, what, you know, how, how, how does he turn this around as a mom? And, and, and this is really where I'm going, right? Is the riots, the chaos, you know, the murder, the assaults, the burning down of cities. You know, he said he was going to be the law and order president. How does he turn this around? You know, does he just say, Trump, let's, let's let Trump be Trump and just go out there and just squash it all and just put it down? Or does he, because he's not doing either one. He's not doing either one. He's sending federal officers over to these riots to stand there and get peppered by bricks and lasers and and get the crap kicked out of him, frankly, you know, and, and you know, and, and he's not, you know, and, and he's not stepping away and just letting the cities burn. So I think you got to do one or the other. I don't know. You're, you're a mom, you're a soccer mom, you're the demographic that makes, you know, elections win or lose. How do we get your vote? How do we get your vote? How does it, how does that work? Make me feel safe again. Make me feel like my children have a future in a country that I want them to have a future in. Right now, I am scared at midnight to go to Super Walmart when I have to get milk for my children. I am scared to go to the park with my children. I'm scared to have a group of kids with me because you're seeing these assaults happen and nobody's getting prosecuted. Ivan, real quick, real sad story. I was in Charleston last weekend. Three weeks ago, the president, the new president of the university was walking down the street at 6.15 in the morning with her husband. And they had just accepted the, pres the presidency of the university and two 15 year olds came up with a gun, pulled up in a car and shot her husband dead and robbed her and her daughter there and drove off. Wow. You never heard that story in the national media. Wow. There was no riots in response because nobody knew about it. We have to reclaim our country back. And President Trump is going to be the best one to do that. He's got to show leadership. He's got to get all of the wussiness and the cowards away from him and start showing the strength. He doesn't need to be popular. He doesn't even need to be reelected. He just needs to get this country back. Trust the people. We'll get the rest of the job done. 
And you know what? And, and, and that's a great point because somebody said that to me this morning. They said, you know what? Forget re-election. Forget it all. We need to save the country right now. It is burning down. So my question again, you know, is how does he do it? Does he drop the hammer and shut it down? Or does he uh, wait for elections uh, to happen and let, let liberals burn their own cities down? Well, I'm all for liberals burning their own cities down. In fact, pull back the, I want the troops out of Portland. Get them all out of there. I'm tired of fighting it. But don't you dare come and ask me if there are a penny of my taxpayer dollars to help rebuild your city like what we've seen in Minnesota. You won't get it. Let that city be in despair forever, for all I care. Elections have consequences. The people in Portland elected that wuss of a mayor and that elected that police chief. So let them have the consequence of it. No sympathy coming from me. Businesses that tried to rebuild in that area, Sucks to be you. Bad decision. Come to a red state. You're welcome here anytime. California, you're about to head down that same path if you don't change it. And it's a beautiful state. Hate to see what's going to be happening, what's going to continue to happen in San Francisco. So no, president, stand up. Get away from Fauci. Get away from everybody else. Just you be you. You built a multi-billion dollar company. Do the same with America. That's what you're best at. Awesome, Scotty. The great Scotty Nell Hughes. Thank you. Thank you, Ivan. Wait, where can they find you? Where can they chase you? Where can they agree with you and hopefully not hurt well, you? Well, once all everything comes back, please find me on RT America News Views Hughes every day. But right now, Friday at 3 o'clock, we can go on Portable.tv and get all my past shows anytime you want. Just download it free on your Android or Apple phone. And what about uh, Twitter? What's your Twitter handle? Oh, you got to do the Twitter handle. I'm having having lots of fun today. I had an hour and a half. I had to stand in a missions line with my car. So I got lots of fun tweets in there. So go find me on at Scotty and Hughes and you'll enjoy that discussion. I need more conservatives on there. I have a lot of liberals left over from CNN and yeah. they have a, they have more fun uh, than I think they should on my page, but I don't That's believe right. in banning. That's right. And we'll talk about that CNN experience. As you know, I have one too. So uh, I'm pretty sure we'll have some fun notes to compare. Scotty, thank you for uh, joining us. And don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back with more Battleground. Welcome back to Battleground. We have Robert Arce with us today. Robert is a, uh, well, how can I say it? I, I guess a drug or narcotics specialist um, from a law enforcement side. Uh, he's going to tell us a little bit about his background, what's going on, the risk that I keep on bringing up week after week, month after month on uh on the dangers that are happening south of the border robert welcome to the show welcome to battleground um thanks for coming man thanks for having me on yvonne absolutely absolutely so hey robert walk us through your background real quick so 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 our listeners know uh who you are who robert arce is okay i'm um I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. I'm born and raised here in Phoenix. And what I would think I was able to do is utilize my uh, Spanish speaking background to uh, work it to, to the, my fullest as a undercover narcotics cop working uh, with Phoenix PD from various assignments. So I worked uh, 23 and a half years with Phoenix and worked from a street cop to drug enforcement, gang enforcement. At the end of my career, I did a lot of the uh, long-term uh, investigations, uh, wiretap investigations, conspiracy investigations. And once I retired in March of 2005, I did 10 years of overseas work. I did uh, three years in primarily Bosnia and Croatia as an organized crime advisor for DOJ. Did two years in Iraq as a police advisor. I did two years in Haiti running an anti-kidnapping unit uh, there in Haiti. And then three years in, in Monterrey working out of the consulate 
U.S. consulate in Monterrey, did three years running the uh, Merida uh, program for Department of State, primarily Northeast Mexico, and uh, did some writing and now just do some consulting. But uh, all that experience really provided me uh, some real valuable insight, whether working in the U.S. or working in Mexico, even working in Haiti, seeing some of the drug trafficking that was going on there and including in the Balkans. When I was in the Balkans, uh, Colombian, Colombian uh, cocaine was heading over towards, uh, towards that area, uh, to the Balkans, to Italy, to Greece. So I've uh, been very fortunate to work some really good locations and uh, feel like at least I had a small impact in fighting this, uh, this battle. This endless war on drugs. Endless, endless. I don't know if we're winning, we're losing, or what the hell we're doing, but I know we're fighting it, that's for sure. Right? Yes. Um, hey, so, you know, let, let's let's just go straight straight at this, um, Mexico. Um, uh, I, I guess first, what, what's your heritage? Are you uh, Mexican-American, your parents Mexican? Yeah, my, my, my mother's family's from Mexico, my father was from Cuba. Okay, all right, cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Combination there, bud. All right. Yeah. Let's hit Mexico real quick because I like to hit, you know, our Mexican friends. Uh, um, Lopez Obrador has really uh, shifted from from a, a policy of engaging, um, you know, the cartels head on to to one of appeasement. I think it's a big mistake. Uh, there's a lot of rumors about it, even a, a cabinet member uh, be, being a member of the cartels. Um, even during COVID, uh, the drugs don't stop coming in. The drug war doesn't stop being fought. Uh, we talked a little bit about about the fentanyl situation that that has been rampant over the last few, several years. Uh, Mexico is is a disaster. It is extremely dangerous. It's extremely violent. The like I said, the current administration down there. Um, I don't know what they're trying to do. Uh, it, it's very complicated. The ties directly to the uh, cartels in Colombia and the drug tra drug trafficking from Peru is. It, it is just uh, enormous, and I've seen numbers that just keep on going up. They they, they don't seem to go down ever. You know, what, how how are you seeing it? What are you hearing? Talk to us about that. Well, first of all, with with Lopez Obrador, I think the problem is a lot of times people believe that if you ignore a problem, it will go away. You know, you have to. One thing I learned working overseas and all the assignments, working as a cop, uh, evil has to be confronted. You cannot. You cannot close your eyes and hope it goes away. You, yeah. you know, there has to be people to stand up and confront it. And, you know, it's dangerous work, but I mean, somebody has to do it. And to try to ignore it or say, we're going to be nice to them. You know, you, you, you have to go after these groups. And what's happening in Mexico right now, for years, uh, Mexico didn't have a user problem, an addict problem. They have a huge addict problem now. If you look at a lot of the violence that's going on in Tijuana and Ciudad Juarez, yeah. uh, Cancun, uh, different places throughout Mexico, Mexico City, look at Mexico City. They, I think the cartels, well, obviously the cartels realized they had a very thriving drug market that they can uh, start selling their product. And right now with methamphetamine, the Cristal, which is very potent, very affordable, and once you develop a population of addicts, addicts cannot work. You know, once they get, we become full-blown addicts, they have to supply their habit, either uh, working as 
small-time street dealers, uh, lookouts, enforcers, then they get involved in what's going on. You know, we just look at happens with in Chicago, in any of the inner cities we have, uh, but people don't realize a lot of the homicides and killings that happen in the U.S. with all the gang fighting is the right to move that product, and all that product is is primarily coming from Mexico. So in, in, in Mexico themselves, if you look at the record-breaking homicide rate that they have in Tijuana and Juarez, and it's, it's being caused by, by the, the right for the street-level groups fighting block for block for that lucrative uh, street-level market. And Mexico has a, an addict problem, a huge addict problem now. When I was that's, in Mexico, that's, that's new, right? Because before, yes. they, you know, what, what, what changed, Robert? Because I've heard that from a couple of experts as well. You know, saying that now it's not only uh, you know a a, a pass through um, situation in Mexico. Not now, now they're consuming it. Not now they're addicted. Now they're hooked, right? The game, the game changer was uh, the crystal, the methamphetamine, the cristal. It's it has exploded. Uh, there is uh, primarily uh, Sinaloa and Jalisco are mass producing, setting up super labs throughout Mexico. They can sell it at, at a very cheap price, very affordable, and it's very potent. And back in the days when in the U.S., when meth was controlled by your, your biker groups right. who were doing small batches, it was uh, not, not as good as it is now. The Mexican groups, the Mexican gangs came into the United States and pretty much pushed all the white uh, methamphetamine uh, cooks, the lab uh, who were distributing throughout the U.S., and now the meth, the meth is a game changer. It's, I talked to guys at Phoenix PD right now, and, and they were saying it's, it's just like during the crack cocaine explosion we had in my generation in the 80s and 90s, and now it's meth. The meth is everywhere. Fentanyl is everywhere. Every street corner, you can get meth, you can get fentanyl. And with the fentanyl, obviously, it's, it's a, uh, you're playing Russian roulette because you don't know if you're taking a dose, if that dose can be, is it, if it's going to be the fatal dose, yeah. because there's no quality control, obviously, in these labs in Mexico when they're making these pills. And you have no idea when you take that pill if it's the one with that they slipped, they put a little bit too much product in it, and you take that pill and you're done. Wow. Wow. That that's crazy, man. Yeah. Hey, so you so you know, I'm glad you touched the uh the eighties and nineties. Um, obviously there are tons of movies about that. Um, tell us about that, man. Being, being knee deep in it during that whole era, that must've been something else. Cause that was a very violent era as well. Um, I don't know if you ever found your way down to, uh, down to Columbia. You don't have to share that if you don't want to, but, uh, tell us about your experience with the, uh, with the cocaine explosion. Obviously we're going through a different I one right now. Yes, my, my experience, I was local. So I was a local cop, but I did a lot of work with DEA and uh, worked with the Drug Enforcement uh, Administration here in Phoenix. But I was on part of a group. We had a group of officers. We're all Spanish-speaking officers that came from similar backgrounds. And what our job was to do is to go in, use an informant or what we call paid informants or unwitting informants who would take us to the guys that were moving the multi-kilos of cocaine, uh, the multi-ounces of heroin, uh, large amounts of, uh, we wouldn't mess with marijuana if it was large amounts. We would meet them face to face, go hang out in the, you know, in the, in the Mexican bars. We'd hang out at the bars and uh, set up a scam that we were trying to set up a, uh, a pipeline uh, a supply chain of cocaine 
to the north because the kilos of coke in Phoenix were a lot less. You're, we're paying $16,000 for a kilo in Phoenix where if you take it up to Washington State, you could sell that same kilo for $30,000, $35,000 because the further away you get from the border or from the frontera, the further away you're having to pay the cost of possibly losing that through interdiction from police right. uh, traffic stops. So we did a lot of face-to-face -face negotiations, but I think the, the big takeaway to me at that time was I did that for seven years. Uh, towards the end, got bad guys that I threw in jail that I was busking early in my career. I mean, they're talking people that were illegally in our country from Mexico were starting to get out. Sure. So now they're getting out. And they deport it. They get deported, but as soon as they get deported, they run home, high five their family members, eat some home cooked foods, and come back. Yeah. And they would be back. And I had informants that were trying to take me to go meet some new drug connection. And it was somebody I busted several years back, and they know who I am. So, oh it, man, that must have been. I had some. We had some close calls. All of us had close calls. And then the big problem we had also is judges didn't realize. That if you gave somebody that we busted for a you know a multi kilo cocaine deal, if they gave them a low bond, they're illegal. They're gonna they had the money. They're gonna post it. Right. They're gonna disappear for a few months and come right back. And two months, three months later, I have an informant that's gonna take me to a body shop in South Phoenix to introduce me to some new connection. And it's a guy I just busted three months ago. Oh shit. So. so Without securing that border, how do you get yourself out of that one, Robert? Man, well, yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's kind of funny. Uh, one of the one of the projects I've worked on since I since I retired, I recently did a uh, work with some screenwriters. So they reached out to me to some work I did, uh, some cartel writing I was doing. So we'll see what happens. We finished the screenplay. They wanted to make it into a series loosely based on those experiences that we experienced back then. So we'll see what happens. We finished it. And now because of COVID, everything slowed down. Yeah. And I covered a lot of those experiences during those cocaine heroin days. And we did modernize some of them to include uh, what some of the guys are experiencing now with the fentanyl and the meth, because the meth was just starting to come in as I was starting to leave the undercover units. But now it's, um, it's huge. It's and and there's so much drugs out there. The prices have really dropped. Yeah. Uh, heroin has dropped, and there's a lot of black tar out there coming in from Mexico, and it's yeah. it's, it's it's crazy. But no, it was a very it was a interesting time, a very violent time, and unfortunately back then we we lost a very good friend, a a brother of ours that was a DEA agent. Oh wow. Uh, wrote about it, and uh, during a undercover deal gone bad, he was. Uh, executed. He was put on his knees and executed. Jesus, that's horrible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. hey, hey, Robert, what is the difference for people that don't know all the lingo? What's the difference between a CI and a CS? Uh, a CI... Uh, confidential uh, informant, right, versus, versus a confidential source, right? Yes, well, uh, the, the way we look at it, we have the confidential informants are, for us, we use a lot of professional informants that are uh, we pay them. Uh, our confidential informants that we use, as far as Phoenix PD, we never like to, uh, we, I mean, we never reveal them. We, we would rather dismiss a case and having to reveal them in court. But I know the feds, they pay their, their sources a lot more. So when the feds uh, would work, 
their, their informants would become material witnesses. So once you become a material witness in an investigation, you have to testify. Yep. Us as Phoenix guys, we didn't, we didn't have the money to pay our sources unless we were going through DEA. But almost, I mean, I don't, I never had a case where we had to reveal any of our sources. Uh, we, we used them for an intro. They would introduce us into some bad guys. We got them out and they would disappear. And then it was up to us to take it further up the food chain. And, uh, but to me, the, the, the confidential, well, there's, we have concerned citizens that work for us for nothing. We have people that we, we pop and we flip, we arrest them, we flip them, they work for us for free. But a lot of times what happens, once they start working for us, once they do a few cases, they start realizing, wow, this is pretty easy. And, and frankly, a lot of these sources that we pop start seeing themselves as some type of secret agent yeah. and they start liking us, even though they hate all of the cops, but they like us because they start feeling like they're our partner or something. And uh, they'll work for us. I mean, we had sources that worked for us for multi-generation, passed down, passed down for 20 years and never were discovered. So um, the- That's the big risk, right? Is, is, yes. is, is getting busted or getting exposed or, or ratted out is uh, that, that could be a very dangerous proposition for some of these guys. But uh, hey, so, you know, obviously the meth, the fentanyl, the uh, heroin, all that stuff is just driving um, the, the, the crime and the drug addiction and everything here in the U.S., uh, you know, to, to numbers we haven't seen. I mean, it's, it's a crisis. But I think people are starting to believe that with this legalizing of marijuana, that, you know, hey, you know what, the, the old drug wars are kind of gone. Now it's this new thing. But um, I, that's not true, right? I mean, the cocaine still is real. Those drugs still continue to come out. The cartels are still multi-billion dollar players. And they're a very sophisticated and very well-organized crime organization. There's, there's just too much money. You know, there's, there's so much money that, uh, that uh, a lot of people, okay, uh, south of Texas, we had a couple of uh, the groups down there that because of the Mexican government, heavy enforcement action on them, they were hurting. When I was in Mexico, they were telling us that, uh, sources were telling us, <laughs> they're starving. They had no, they lost, their dope connections were drying up and they shifted over. You know, some people say they did it out of brilliance. No, they did it out of survival but they shifted over where they started moving a lot of people working as smugglers, especially with the, uh, with the crisis that hit us when we had the stampede coming from Central America, uh, coming to the border. So that was a big moneymaker for a couple of the criminal uh, organizations there south of Texas. But to me, what, uh, when our president ran in America first, I think we really need to look at what affects us more in the United States? And when you look at this, uh, the drug crisis, the fentanyl, uh, people forget about the heroin. The heroin is, people have been dying of heroin overdoses since I was a kid yeah. living in the barrio. I mean, people, heroin addicts, you know, the, the Mexican black tar heroin has been deadly for many years. But now when you mix in the fentanyl, uh, especially the pills, uh, they're everywhere. And with the, with the fentanyl pills, I think, I saw a, a, a report the DEA put out, uh, I don't know, several months back, where they grabbed 
they, they tested like a sample of fentanyl over a, I think it was a four to six month period. And during that time, they discovered, I think it was like 20, 30% of those pills had a deadly dose of what could be considered a deadly dose of fentanyl within those pills. And that's why I say it's, it's, a, it's, it's become like uh, here where I live in Phoenix, I live in a suburb of Phoenix. We had a uh, baseball player, baseball star from the local high school pitched in the state tournament, pitched a great game, I went home, took a fentanyl pill, and he, he was dead. Oh, and, uh, and there's large fentanyl seizures that are occurring in Phoenix where they're getting you know, 50,000, 40,000 pills at a time. And if you're talking about 40, 50,000 pills, and if you have 20%, even 15% contain a deadly dose, that's that's really that's frightening. It's very frightening, and I think uh, when we're dealing with these cartels on who we should really be going after, I think it's the ones that are causing the most death and destruction in our country. It's sad what's going on in Mexico, but if they don't want our help or do not want to be a very enthusiastic partner, it's you know we can't force them to do anything. So we have to deal with what's hurting us is our country. And those are the groups right now that you're looking at would be primarily Sinaloa yeah. or affiliated groups and Jalisco because Jalisco is really growing and uh, uh, they're a very dominant group. And everywhere you, everywhere you look, there's uh, violence in Mexico, they're right there. Yep, yep, amazing, man. It's, uh, it, 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 it's, uh, I, you know, we, we've been fighting this thing for so long, so many billions of dollars that we've been dumping and dumping into this, into this war. Obviously, you've been on the front line. I know so many other friends as well at the DEA, at the, at the several, several other agencies and, uh, and the stories you hear, you know, I, I've been traveling to Latin America since, she's uh, since by 1990. So, I know the situation down there very, very well, especially in Peru. Um, I, you know, cocaine's not going to go away. Nope, nope. Cocaine's not going to go away. This this opioid thing is a killer. Um, I don't know how long that lasts. I mean, you know, you brought up something that's that that's that's so important is people have been dying from heroin overdoses since like the seventies or sixties. Yes, you know? yes. Uh, it's never really gotten a lot of attention. I don't know why, um, you know, meth kind of came around and, you know, uh, they started paying attention to meth. Uh, and now the opioid thing crisis, um, you know, it's getting, it's getting a lot of attention. Um, can it, can it be combated? Do we win? I don't know. But, um, but, but all of a sudden you, you don't hear anybody talking about cocaine anymore. And that, I still believe to be the number one generator, you know, for the cartels and money. Right. And, and if that's the case, um, why, why is it not being, why is nothing being reported? Why are these seizures not being reported? You talked about the fentanyl seizures that are happening. Um, nothing, nothing is being reported anymore. It seems bizarre. And also um, I, I would, I'll, if you're comfortable sharing, you know, what percentage of drugs gets gets seized versus comes through. Oh, well, you know what? And, and you see so many reports, but I think uh, 
I don't know if anybody even really knows, and I don't know how they determine that, but obviously it is, it is a very small percentage that is being seized. And I think what happened, obviously the, the, the cartels on our southern border, uh, you know, we talk about, well, we, we need to build a wall. Well, the wall would stop the human smuggling or at least slow it down. Yeah. But the drugs are coming through ports of entry. They're coming in through uh, commercial vehicles in large trucks, hidden compartments or stashed with cargo or in private vehicles with hidden compartments. And they know they're going to lose loads, but they get enough through that it's very lucrative. And most of it is not coming uh, back, back, back during our day, uh, when I was working, we were getting uh, people that were coming across the border with backpacks with cocaine. But really, the most of that that comes through ports of entry. The what I tell people, what the wall would stop is, in order for the cartels to operate in the United States, they need the manpower to set up throughout our cities. So the manpower that sets up operations comes through our southern border, they come through illegally. Yep. And uh, one of the examples we give is like, say in Phoenix, uh, you're in Phoenix, Arizona, and there's a group, say you have a cell, a criminal cell moving dope in Phoenix. And one of those guys goes to visit his cousin in Washington state, who actually is just a migrant worker working illegally up in the orchards or somewhere. Yep. So that guy gets up there, he looks around, and the first thing he thinks is, wow, there's a lot of us. There's a lot of rasa out here. But there's, yeah. no, there's, no, uh, there's no restaurants. There's no carnicerias. There's no panaderias. There's no bakeries. There's no meat shops, uh, uh, butcher shops. And he'll call the Phoenix and say, hey, you want to see all the people we have here and no one's touching this market. They make a phone call to Mexico. Hey, send some of the guys over. Yep. They come illegally to Phoenix. Yep. They send them up to Washington State. They have better product, cheaper product, but it's better. And they'll they'll remove anybody that the, the local competition and right. they go to the local competition. You sell for us, we'll give you better product. And next thing you know, the local dealers are now dealing for these guys. And then that guy that was working the fields or out there in Washington, now he sees what money could be made. He jumps ship and now he's working with his with his primo or the guy from his from his pueblito or from the rancho in Mexico, yeah. and, 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 he's just, a, and he's driving a Mercedes, bro. Yes, yes. Or, or I mean, we we've seen that in my own family. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, you see it all of a sudden. Wait a minute, you were working as a landscaper. Now you got a bigger truck than I, the nicer car than I have. What are you doing? Hey, 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 Robert. Why, why does uh, why does El Cartel de Juarez, La Línea, why don't they get uh, 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 enough attention. Why are we always talking about Sinaloa and some of the other ones? Well, I think what happened was for a while they they got beat down pretty good, yeah. and now they're. I mean, they're people. I don't know. It's just uh, most U.S. media. Uh, there's a newspaper out of El Paso that uh, reports a lot on the activity there. Yeah. But I mean, people. I have no idea. There's that area right now is very violent. Yeah. Extremely, their numbers are skyrocketing again, yeah. and uh, it's a very dangerous place. Uh, I was in Juarez when I was working in Monterrey. We I went to Juarez a couple of times, and yeah. you could feel it was starting to come back up. Yeah. And whenever you start, when you have criminal groups fighting for a plaza, and they start fighting for those smuggling routes, 
uh, they take off a leader and a new leader will come in and maybe multiple guys within the same cell. There's always going to be splits where there's the old school and the new school. Mm. And that's what's happening right now in Juarez, where you have the old school of La Lina, uh, or there, or you have uh, the old school from La Lina join Juarez, and they start fighting with each other. And it's it's guys that were friends, and now they're they're forming separate groups, and the same thing is happening with the Sinaloa line groups there uh, in, in, in Juarez. And then yeah. you go a little further south into the mountains. That, the mountain area along the Sonora-Chihuahua border yeah. is very volatile because that's a very uh, lucrative smuggling route. And there, I, have, I have a friend that uh, lives along that area. And he's, he sent me videos before where these caravans, these, yeah. these armored caravans with 20, 30 uh, trucks deep patrolling the area. I mean, you don't see cops out there or the cops that are out there. They're all, uh, they've had times where the whole police force has been arrested because they're all working with the carteles and, and helping them out. So it's just a mess. Yeah, it's a disaster. Hey, Robert, thanks for joining us, man. It's fantastic having you. We need to have this conversation on a regular basis. Um, it's not being had. Nobody's talking about this. I'm, I'm you know, I'm not a conspiracy guy, but I'm really concerned as to why nobody's talking about it anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, the co you're correct about one thing. The, the, a lot of the cocaine seizures I'm starting to notice are starting to come back, and it seems like some of those seizures are coming back around towards the, uh, the Miami area, towards that Caribbean route. Yep. So on the next time, we could talk about that. But Yeah, yeah that, I mean, you have uh, Cartel de los Soles, right? So that's... Yes. Like that's that's a perfect uh, the perfect way it goes out right, right out of Venezuela straight into the Caribbean. yes 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 so but, let's uh, do that let's talk about that next week man if you have some time I'd love for you to join us um, you know and, uh, and and let's talk drugs with Robert Arce how's that thanks for having me on Yvonne have I, a great day I appreciate it and don't go anywhere we're gonna be right back with more battleground welcome back to battleground today we're joined by Jesse Holguin Jesse is. Uh, well, Jesse's going to tell us a story. He's, uh, he's got a great, great story, but he's a founder of Lexit, Latino exit of the Democrat Party. Uh, Jesse, welcome to the show. Uh, so happy to have you on. I know we've, we've been trying to get you on the TV show since uh, 2019. Uh, then this year, the pandemic hit and shut everybody down. But hey, we're on. We're on. Uh, we're on the podcast. It is on iHeart, on Google, on Apple, on Spotify and just about every platform that you can listen to a podcast right now. So we're, we're wide and broad and anybody on any device uh, is going to listen to us and does listen to us. We have a great following. We're trying to break the top 100 podcasts in the, in the country, man. So hopefully you'll get uh, all our uh, Lexit hermanos y hermanas, brothers and sisters to, uh, to follow Battleground. Hey, welcome to the show. Jesse, tell us your story. How did it happen? How did you start it? Why? Where? Next thing you know, I'm seeing you all over the place with President Trump by your side. You're a stud, man. Hey, man. Uh, uh, well, I, I just want to say thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to, uh, to be on your show. But, um, yeah, uh, I started uh, Lexit, uh, like, just over a year ago, like a year and a half ago. And uh, I, before, I was just a Democrat. I was raised, I was a Democrat. Um, uh, like I didn't even know why I wasn't really into politics or nothing like that. Uh, I just grew up my whole family, my whole life. My family told us 
we're Democrats. And then I was like, why are we Democrats? They said, because the Republicans are for like the rich whites and the Democrats are for like the Latinos and minorities or whatever. So that's why I grew up thinking like that. But um, what started my change, leaving the Democrat part, opening my eyes, I guess you could say, was um, when I got started growing in my faith because I got saved and I started seeking the Lord. And as I started reading my Bible, I started growing in my faith. I seen that they were totally against all my godly moral values. I seen they were going. So as a Christian, I could no longer support that party, especially like Obama, even like the 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 nail that broke the camel, straw that broke the camel's back was when Obama um, started putting the men in the women's restrooms yeah. right there. I was like, man, I was a Christian. I was like, I was just outraged. And then, like I said, I wasn't really into politics. I was mostly into sharing the gospel and like that kind of stuff. I was a chaplain. And how are you saved? Man? Was, you want huh? to tell that? You want to tell that story or no? Well, I got shot. Well, how I got saved was well, I'll give a little glimpse because it's kind of long, but. Yep. I was an ex-gang member. I'm an ex-gang member yep. from L.A. And um, I was not only a gang member, I was a gang leader. I used to do like a lot of shootings and things like that. And I ended up getting shot and paralyzed. So when I got, I was trying to get a little glimpse of the kind of dude I used to be. I went to some guy's house and I was just going to kick down his door, go all up in his house and get the dude. So I was kicking down his front door and he, he shot me, boom, out of the side window. So I got shot and paralyzed. And then, uh, I was dying, like the ambulance came and they had me right there. And um, I was choked because the bullet went through my lung and to my spine, so I was choking on my own blood. And um, the ambulance and the cops, they were like, he's not gonna make it, his only chance is to call for the chopper. So they tell me, hey, we're gonna airlift you. So I tell myself, man, hang on for the chopper, hang on for the chopper, the, the chopper comes, they're airlifting me, we're flying. And I started dying, bro, like you could feel it when you're dying, like I could righteously feel like I'm dying. So I got scared. And uh, the only thing on my mind was, uh, I'm going to go to hell right now. Because I knew I was trying to kick down that dude's door. And uh, so I just started calling out to Jesus. And, just, like, and I wasn't praying like, Lord, help me to live. Because I thought I was going to die at any second. I was only praying because I didn't want to go to hell. So I just started calling out to Jesus and all that, asking him to forgive me and all that kind of stuff. And uh, once I started, once I did that, like I said, I was choking on my own blood, dying, scared, all that. But once I started calling out to Jesus, it was a trip because I felt a wonderful peace came over me. It was just like, I can't even describe it in words. I was just so comforted, so at peace, even emotionally, spiritually, like every way. I was like so cool. And then uh, ever since then, the Lord has been using my life for many things. I started, ended up, started going into little juvenile halls and I was doing Bible studies with all the little kids in there. Started going into prisons, speaking at churches, speaking at like car shows and just, and then I, Ended up being a chaplain, going in hospitals, praying with patients. So God was just moving uh, my life for many things. And then what prompted me to get into the political realm, like I said, because I wasn't into political. I was just focused on God. God had me to sharing the gospel. But um, I seen I was just sick of all the attack, like the fake media is what I had a lot to do with it because I was just sick of seeing the constant attacks on the president by the fake media. It was just like totally relentless and so i was just disgusted with that and then i seen what candace had started with the blexit so i started getting with a bunch but to start something because I, I a lot of latinos that i knew they liked trump and all that they were like not going along with the the left-wing narrative because the left-wing narrative was like they're all latinos 
hate Trump, we're all against the wall, all that. And I'm like, most of the Latinos I know, we support Trump. Most Latinos I know, we want the wall. And I'm right here in LA, you know what I mean? I'm right in the hood, I'm right here in the barrio. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell they're talking about. So I said, you know, we got to start one. So uh, that's why we started it. And like you said, it, it's just been blowing up. And uh, to me, I say it's all because of God. Because at, at Lexit, we give God glory. Like, it's not about me. I didn't do this, my team, whatever. I just feel that it's God has been blessing us because, like I said, at Lexit, we put God first above all things, more than any other of the movements, I think. Amen, brother. Amen to that, man. And, you know, the, the, the power the power of the word, man, is is nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop it. And, you know, you know that. Uh, a lot of us know that, you know, being in, in you know, maybe not in, uh, in, in, in such a bad situation like you find yourself being airlifted. But, you know, in, in, in very bad, tragic situations, we know that, you know, the only person that will never leave your side and always has your back is Jesus Christ, you know, and... Uh, and you know that that that's just the absolute fact. But man, you know, I'm so happy that you made that you you know you you, you what, what a great story, man. What a great story for for not just Latinos, man, for our brothers and sisters, but for all Americans to know that hey, you know what, this is the greatest country in the history of the world. You can turn around, you can decide on the drop of a dime. You know what, I'm done doing this. I'm gonna start being something else, and you can make that change. And obviously, you know, with faith and with Jesus on your side, you can do anything. Anything can be accomplished. Nothing is impossible for our Lord. Wait, man, with God, all things are possible, brother. That's right. it's the scripture, brother. All of this, all of this, bro, with my phone. That's all even, it's all with God, whatever, too, but shows what, what a great country America is. Imagine me, just an ex-gang member, shot paralyzed, yep. and just with my phone, bro. Like you said, I've been in the White House, met the president, yep. and all over the country. It's just amazing. Much all and you guys biggest. have a huge organization. You have hundreds of thousands of followers. Uh, it is just amazing the work that you're doing. I think there's going to be a big Latino surprise. I think Hispanics are going to come out in droves to vote for this president. We see we see what is going on. We we see the fake news. We see the tragic, you know, example of Latin America and socialism down there. We don't want that for the United States. That's why we're here. We're going to be the first first line of defense, you know, for that. And we're going to make sure that that doesn't happen. I'm so happy that you guys are leading the charge. Tell us a little bit about your organization and what you guys are doing. So we're doing a lot. We have, we have a great team. Like, Alexit, it's not just me. We have a great team like A-Rod, uh, Patty, La Trumpista. We have, like, a, a big crew, and they're all good influencers. We all push good content and stuff like that. So that's what we're just pushing 24-7. We're making videos. We're doing lives. We have shows. We have some, several Lexus shows, like Alexa War Room. We've been had a big time conservatives on there and then we have the ladies our ladies have a show we have like a couple of other shows too and uh right before the covid hit we had just had two big rallies we had two big relaxing rallies and they were big packed and then but the covid had so hopefully we're hoping to have a um, another lexa rally as soon as um it starts opening up we'll where, where, where do uh where, where do latinos find legs at? where do uh non-latinos find legs at and support and support your organization how do we find you on Instagram, uh, under Lexit Movement on Instagram, and then on Facebook, we're on the Real Lexit, Real Lexit page on uh, Facebook, and then Twitter shut us down. So hopefully, I'm getting my Twitter back pretty soon. And then what? TikTok, 
TikTok totally deleted our account, bro. Oh too, my God, too. you're kidding me! So what happened? Yeah, they're honest, bro. Even on Facebook, they're we're constantly shadow banned. Even they're hating us too. On we got warnings on Instagram too that they're saying that they might uh, shut down our Instagram. They just hate us, bro. Because like I said, I, I'm not putting, I'm not saying nothing bad about none of the other movements on. But I, I don't feel none of the other ones put it down like us, bro. We put it Man, down on the list. Facebook is the worst. Facebook is the worst. We were getting oh, yeah. thousands of, of hits for our show. And, you know, all of a sudden, it, like, went down. Like, yeah. disappeared. Ma imagine I'm this. Like, oh. we, our last, and, and, our I last... Have, and I have all these people sending me messages yeah. going, hey, where did you go, bro? What, what happened, you know? Like, you know, uh, are you okay? Is something going on? You know, I, I never see you post anymore. And I'm like, wow, you know, it's, uh, yeah. it's pretty, it's, it's real, man. It is real. Yeah. Well, trip out like, uh, like two weeks ago, we did our, our last, um, war room show, right? Our last war room show, we had 135, 135, 6,000, 136,000 viewers. Right. And then we got hit by some stupid little, it was a Candace Owens post, whatever. And it said, it's partly true or something. They hit us. Yeah. And because of that little hit, our next show, it went from 136,000 views to 2,000, bro. That's how bad they shut us down. Yep. Shadow ban. We're like, are you freaking kidding me? See how they are? It's all about the elections. Well, and, and then all, all of a sudden, you start, then you start getting all these notices about advertising on them. Do you want to boost this? Do you want to boost yeah. this? So they're like, yeah. they give you a little flavor. And then they then they shut you down and say, well, if you want that again, you got to pay us. So it's really, yeah. you know, that's that's really what it is. So if you want to be, you want to push a conservative message on Facebook or on any platform, you got to pay them. That's the only yeah. way you're going to be seen, uh, because yeah. if if not, they're going to shut you down. Shoot, I've known conservatives even that even tried to pay and they they wouldn't let them. Like they they wouldn't approve their posts, whatever, whatever. Still, even regardless, it's just sickening. Like we've seen a perfect example of it. Um, this week when those doctors were, were out there talking about the hydrochloroquine or whatever yeah. it is, yeah. they shut them down. Like they were hitting even on Instagram. Like I said, they hit us, took it down. Like, man, that was like one of the biggest posts that I've ever put. We put it on Instagram. We were one of the first ones because the second I seen it, I said, we got it. This is big. And, like, and then it started blowing up everywhere, but we were one of the first ones and man, it was blowing up. And then yeah. they hit us for it, man. It took yeah. it. Like, can you believe that, bro? Like Bill Gates, Bill Gates can talk all about COVID, all that, and he's not even a doctor, right. but actual doctors that have patients that success and all of that, they get shut down. And not even just one doctor. It was a group of doctors, bro. Of doctors, bro. And crazy. they can't talk. They and we can't give the, give the doctors opinion. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's not and they're not it's not even settled science either. It's not even like a Settled well, science, you know, we, we had uh, we had Scotty Nell Hughes earlier on today. And we were talking about that how you know hydroxychloroquine has been around since like the fifties or sixties. You know, it's been used for malaria, it's used for lupus today. You know, very effectively, nobody dies. Um, and and since the president said you know hydroxychloroquine is working, now everybody now that that's a banned that's a banned medicine. Why? Because they want to control you. Because why? They don't want a solution. They don't want this COVID thing to be mm -hmm. over until after the election. Once the election is over, November 4th, everybody's gonna get hydroxychloroquine in the mail. You know, everybody, have, you know, if you have COVID or not, you're gonna get it in the mail, like the IRS. Everybody yeah. in, in the country is gonna get 
with a social security number is going to get hydroxychloroquine in the mail. And they'll say, in case you get sick, here's the dose. Take it for a week. You know, goodbye. It's over. Get, get your ass back to work. That's what's going to happen. You know, the liberals are despicable people. They don't want a solution. And, you know, realistically, there's big pharma behind this, too, because they want to push yeah. a, they want to push a vaccine. So. Well, even too, yeah, that's true. But even just shows how wicked and evil the Democrats are that they're costing people lives, people dying, and they don't care. It's all about power. It's all about election. They're just, like I said, every time I think they, they're at rock bottom, they'll drop even lower. Like they're just totally disgusted. Like I even think back in the days, even when I was a hardcore Democrat and all that, if I, they were, I, even now, I would have left. I, I don't think I could have voted the party. That's why anybody that votes Democrat, you got to be out your freaking mind. Like, they're totally, they're trying to defund the police. Yeah. They want lawlessness, communists. They're burning the American flag. Like, just in all ways, bro. Like, what do they have to offer? All the Trump, all this racist, and pushing race. And that's all they want. What's over there, the Marxist BLM, like, us at Alexit, we stand against BLM. Like we're one of some of the most vocal. We stand because we're locked in as we can. Because I know a lot of conservatives are white and they're scared. I guess because of the race and whatever. Yeah, so yeah. we've been we've been pushing against. We're like, look, we're Latinos. What you gonna say to us? Right. We're against BLM. You know what I'm saying? They said they came that their goal. The leader said that their goal was to take out Trump. So no Republican at all should be scared of them now. Say, hey, they said their goal is to take out Trump. So they ain't no good. Plus they said. They're Marxists. They came right. out saying that they're Marxists, all that. So why are they still trying to be politically correct? Saying, oh, yeah, priest before. Hell no. Nah. We're against BLM. Now, I'm not against blacks, whatever. Like, we support blacks, but we're against that organization, BLM. Uh, Lexi, we're totally against that. Yeah, I wrote a piece, you know, several years ago, you know, um, um, Hispanics are conservatives, just don't tell the Democrats, you know, and... Jeez. And the problem is, and something that I've always castigated, you know, the Republican Party for, you know, over and over again for a long, long time, is, you know, their ineffectiveness, um, you know, as a party to engage, you know, Latinos, to engage Blacks, to engage, you know, minorities. And I get it, you know, as a, as a fundamental, you know, piece of, of who we are as, as conservatives or Republicans, you know, we don't play identity politics. We think everybody's the same. So color, sex you know, religion shouldn't be a difference, shouldn't be, you know, sh shouldn't make a difference. Um, like, but the other side does, right? And and just because we don't play in that, in that realm doesn't mean we shouldn't talk to those people. And we need to do a better job addressing our communities. And, you know, you, you're doing a great job, man. I congratulate you on that. Keep up the great work. Um, you know, we, we need to, we need to get the word out, uh, you know, the Lord's word. Um, and, and obviously, you know, the, the Republicans were as well, you know, to our community. I think once they know the truth, um, it'll be a natural, natural, you know, coming over, you know, uh, it'll be a natural Lexit, you know, which is what yeah. we need to happen. And, yeah. you know, I'll tell you a quick story, you know, which is, I don't know if it's funny or if it's sad, but, you know, after the 2008 election, I was down in Florida, down in Miami, you know, I'm at a, at a friend's barbecue, uh, Nicas, right? Nicaraguenses, um, Nicaraguans. And, you know, we're, we're, we're sitting there at the barbecue cooking and his cousin comes over having a couple of drinks and, and I don't know how politics came up or something. And, and, you know, the owner of the house, my friend was very conservative, uh, a very social conservative, very Catholic as well. 
And, you know, he, he started saying, you know, how, you know, Obama was the worst thing and blah, blah, blah. And his cousin jumped and he goes, what are you talking about? Those are all lies. Those are all lies. Obama's the most pro-life, pro-family, you know, pro-Latino man that has ever yeah. been president ever. Those are all Republican wow. lies. And we look at him like, are you insane? And he, where did yeah. you hear this? And he goes, at church. At church, people oh. are coming in at church and telling us, that the Republicans were going to make up all these lies, and it wasn't true. That Obama was pro-life, and he was anti-abortion, and he was pro-marriage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's how they lie to our community, bro. That's how they do it. They don't care. They're shameless. They're heinous. They are despicable people. And that, that is why I have a fight, you know, with, with, with the Democratic Party. Because, I, you know, I, I do not want them to treat us like the dogs that they think we are. You know, we're not. You know, the devil's a liar, brother. Yeah. The devil's a liar. So you know how that, you know how, how that goes. Man, that, that dude had, had no idea what he was talking about. You know, another reason why, another big thing, like me and uh, Drew Hernandez of Lives Matter, he's a, a pretty big Latino conservative. When, one time we were having a conversation, he's like, man, how come so many Latinos are for Democrats? And I, I told him, you know why is is because the two is because of the Spanish channels. Hey, the Spanish channels could be as bad as fake yeah. news CNN. I go, imagine, imagine if all we had was fake news CNN. Yeah. Even our outlook would probably be. Imagine if all we were watching twenty four. That's the only station they had was fake news CNN. All of us were watching CNN. We would be all way different. So that's what these Latinos, the ones that especially only watch Spanish or whatever, they're watch. They're getting propaganda twenty four seven on the Spanish channels. That's what we're dealing with. That's so. That's why we're trying to get the real news, real stuff. We're trying to combat that. But that's why so many Latinos, because all the ones that watch, because I have um, yeah, they watch interviews in Telemundo, CNN, and Español. Of course, that's a propaganda machine. Jorge Ramos, yeah, yeah they're Jorge Ramos. Jorge Ramos, Jorge Ramos is down for us. Yeah. Yeah. He's an embarrassment. But listen, you know that that's ex that, that's a great point you bring up because that's exactly why we launched, you know. That, that strategy that we had to get a Republican show. We had to get a, a, a show on TV. You saw we launched it. We got the number four in four weeks, number seven on that network after, uh, you know, number one on, on, on the network after week seven. We crushed it. You know, then we launched La Politica de Washington, D.C. to go nationwide over the top. Right now, the pandemic hit us, so they shut us down. But right now, we are finalizing an agreement. We are finalizing an agreement. And I want to make sure that you are on that show when we launch it, buddy. Your story, I Amen. want it told. I want you to come out and, and, and tell us that story. It is in Spanish. It's yeah. going to be picked up by a major network here in the United States. Uh, yeah. Big, big local channel, Miami, and uh, all over the country. And Fios, AT&T, Comcast, it'll be everywhere. Uh, cool. And we're going to get our message out, brother. And it's going to happen before the election. And uh, I want you on there, man. I want you on that panel with yeah. us, sitting down and telling a story, man. Amen. Yeah, it'd be cool. Because, yeah, my story's a bit more. I just cut it down for this little uh, shot and go into the whole detail. Uh, absolutely, yeah, man. You got to keep on coming back. And, uh, and, 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 you know, we'll, we'll you know, we'll uh, continue telling the story. And, uh, and, and I'm sure there's a lot more to tell. And, Jesse, thank you so much for coming on the show, brother. Uh, hopefully you'll come back soon. I know we, we, All right, we, we took us a year and a half to get here. But uh, sure. hopefully it'll take us, you know, uh, not a year and a half. Hopefully we'll have you on uh, on a regular basis.
Amen. You could even have some of our team members, if you just let me know, any of our Lexi crew members, they'll be happy to come on too. Absolutely, bro. Absolutely. I mean, send them my way. Send them my way. Let's talk about it. I want to talk about this drug problem that we have in our community. I want to talk about the gang problem that we have in our community. Uh, MS-13, Latin Kings, you name it. Uh, They're they're out there. They're giving us a bad name. And I think uh, that that's that's something that we should touch probably on the next podcast when, when you come on board, man. All right. All right, man. Sounds good, Ivan. Awesome. Thank you, man. Thanks hey, for having me on. I, I know there's a there there's there's a there's there's a couple of Lexits out there. So you guys are real Lexit, and then there's another. We're the one. only one. Yeah, that one's gonna be gone too. It's a fake Lexit. They stole our page. They're fake. They stole our page. All that, whatever. But uh, they'll right. be gone too within well, less than a Follow Lexit. Follow real Lexit. Real Lexit. Yeah, that's right, us. Me. You know, if it ain't me or or my team, then you know it ain't us. Awesome. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks for being on the show. And thank you guys for following us this week. And we'll see you Monday with a fresh lineup that is going to knock your pants off, man. Don't go anywhere. I mean, uh, yes, go. Go wherever you want. It's Friday. It's a happy hour somewhere. Uh, And I'm going to go have a virtual cocktail with my buddy, Jesse. Take care, everyone. See you Monday. Friends, this election means more than anything in our lifetime. I know we've heard everybody say this so many times, but this time it's true. We have Marxism openly fighting in our streets, burning down cities. That is why the Hispanic vote is so, so important. You've heard our guests talk about it. You know, we need to be the vanguard of freedom. We need to defend it. We know exactly what Marxism is. It has destroyed Latin America, it has destroyed the world, it has destroyed so many other places. That's why we were we have been working so hard to bring the Hispanic vote back to the Republican Party where it belongs. Uh, before this pandemic, we talked about and we've seen polls where the Hispanic approval numbers of, of the president have been 49, 50, 51, 52 percent. Um, that number would destroy the Democrats, would be a slam dunk landslide victory for the president. We need to continue our work. Please visit hlc.gop and make a donation, share with your friends. We can't do it without you. The Hispanic Leadership Council is obviously the sponsor of the show uh, and and it is the work that we are trying to do. We need to bring that vote to the Republican Party back where it belongs. Please join us, hlc.gop. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.